0: Glasses, a show about
1: book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author, filmmaker, and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about setting and a sense of place in books and interviewing author Deb Spera. But first, (laughs) what are you reading, (laughs) Bria? So we're doing these out of order. We are. And this one's recording first, and it's going to be confusing because I'm going to talk about a book, but Y'all have already heard us talk about this book, but I'm going to talk about it again because, you know what? I loved the book, and I want to give it more of a shout-out. It's really Um, good. I finished reading, maybe uh, a couple of days ago, uh, Magic for Liars by Sarah Gailey. Sarah motherfucking Gailey. Yeah, which is very good. It should be out by the time this episode comes out. I thought it was so magical Magical for liars, you might say. <laughs> um, it is, uh, I think you already talked about it on the show, but to do a quick recap, um, a very, I would say, here's my pitch. Jessica Jones meets Harry Potter, but dark. So Jessica Jones meets The Magicians. I've never read The Magicians. Neither have I, but I've okay heard that it's like... Perry Barter, but even more fucked up. Okay, okay. Then I would say then, yeah, that's exactly, that's the book. It's dark. It has like an investigative element to it. It's great. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it so much that I basically shirked off other work and was like, you know, I'm just going to finish reading this book because then I'll be done with it and I. Then I can do other things. And I'll do other things after that, but otherwise I can't quit thinking about it. It was so amazing. What are you reading, Mallory? Uh,
0: so I have this thing where when I'm going through a stressful period of change in my life, I like to reread my favorite books to like ground me. And as we're recording this, we're recording this a little bit ahead of time as we're going through another, I'm still on tour because I'm going to be on tour (laughs) the rest of my life. And you are recording another, you are shooting another movie Mm -hmm. and I'm also in the middle of a move. Mm -hmm. Um, so we're batch recording reading glasses and so I'm reading. Re 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 reading one of my favorite books is called The Book of Flying by Keith Miller. I don't think I've ever talked about it on the show before. It's not. It's a very. It's not a Mallory book. It's like a literary fantasy book about this sad librarian who lives in this town where half of the people who live in the town are like normal people, and the other half of the people who lived in, in the town have wings. Oh, cool! And they're not allowed to like mingle. And of course he's in love with this winged girl and their families won't let them be together because he doesn't have wings.
1: I actually am going to argue that this is a Mallory book because... Of the librarian aspect. Okay, fair enough. I think that, like, any book reader as the center of a book yes. is probably a Mallory book. Fair enough. Okay. Maybe I should put that
0: in my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, in the library, finds this legend of this t- town that you can go to where you can read the Book of Flying and get your wings. So he goes off on this, like, very, it's, like, very Alice in Wonderlandy, where, like, each chapter, like, he, like, first the chapter, he goes through the forest and he meets this robber queen. And then he goes, he makes it through the forest and gets to this town and, like, meets a bunch of weird people there. And, like, it's just, like, each chapter is, like, a different little place in the story with, like, new weird people as he's on this way to the morning town to find the Book of Flying. And it's so—it's one of those books where, like, every sentence is so beautiful you want to suck on it like a Werther's.
1: <laughs> Actually going to say— I don't like sucking on Werther's, so. <laughs> I don't. So you would spit Sean it out. Sean didn't like that joke. Uh, I... <laughs> Who doesn't like a Werther's? Uh, fuck butterscotch, man. I'm oh, it's so it. nasty. Butterscotch is like, ugh, when I think about it, I just think about barf. What a great snack. It is a horrible <laughs> snack. It don't. Is... Here's the thing. A butterscotch brownie, maybe? Yes. Mm-hmm. But a butterscotch candy? A butterscotch anything. Oh, butterscotch it, pudding? It's, it, that, oh, see, that's what I don't like. The candy reminds me of the pudding. <laughs>
0: I don't know why <laughs> Maybe what it's because I'm 95
1: it. years old, actually. I don't know. I think it's also like people, well, I was going to say East Coast people, but Sean's from Australia, so I don't know why he likes butterscotch. <laughs> Very East. east. Yeah. The most
0: East. <laughs> uh but it's it's so every every sentence is so well crafted. It has these little illustrations from the author. And I just fucking love it. And it's been soothing me as I pack up my entire life and my cats and move and try to finish this book tour and try to try to stay sane. Sean, are you reading anything new? Nope, nothing. No no updates from Sean. So that's the Book of Flying by Keith Miller. And uh Magic for Liars by Sarah Gailey. We're going to take a moment to answer a recommendation request from one of our beloved Sarah's. Uh, so, Sarah writes in recommendation request feminist horror and by this i don't just mean horror by women or queer authors but horror that is specifically about the female experience the only one that really comes to mind for me is her body and other parties by carmen maria machado i feel like there's there should be a lot of this considering how terrifying it is to be a woman but i haven't been able to find very much at all research on the internet and goodreads tends to turn up horror by women or feminist literature or horror literature but i want a venn diagram of all three
1: bria what should sarah read This was harder than I felt like it should be because I started going down a rabbit hole where I was like, if it has zombies, is it horror? If it is, what is feminism? Like, there's like this, like, my brain started to, like, implode with, like, uh, too many years of... um, Feminist theory. Feminist theory in college and then, then, you know, where feminism has come today and would this still count as a feminist book? I, like, really went down a rabbit hole with this. So, I'm just going to say, first of all, I think... The Power is a very cool feminist book, but by probably, Naomi Alderman. Uh, but probably more sci-fi than horror, but it's very horrific. Yes. Um. But that is a very like female experience, but uh, across uh, many different different female experiences. Yeah. No, I think that's a great pick. It's um. I thought that one's really good, and then the other one I would say would be um, anything by Octavia Butler. But particularly, also more sci-fi. But particularly, she has a short story collection called *Blood Child*, which is very horrific as well and also very feminist. Um, she's generally thought of as sci-fi more than horror. But those are the two I came up with more than horror. What, what do you? What did? You, what do you think? My immediate pick for this was *The
0: Beauty* by Aaliyah Whiteley. Uh, it is super weird and super good. It's a very short book. It's basically about. You're coming into the story, into this world where all the women have died Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. and
0: all of the men are like trying to figure out what to do. And before they know it, all of a sudden these weird like mushroom creatures in the shape of women start rejoining society. And it is very creepy, scary, like in like super intense body horror. Oh, yeah. Very fucked up. It's like it's very much like in the same weird fiction vein as like jeff vandermeer like if you like Mm -hmm. born or annihilation uh it's that kind of like very strange horror that's a little bit literary um but it's it's written by a woman it's definitely about the female experience because men start going through typically female physical things Mm. and they're really horrified by them and it's kind of like hey hey um and it's just super feminist it's great i loved it So you can always email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month or our extra new recommendation letter where we pair snacks and cocktails, you can sign up for our newsletter. Link in the show notes. We got some fan mail for people who are complaining that they can't find the link to sign up for the newsletter. It's in the show notes. Go to the show notes if you're on iTunes or if you just go to MaximumFun.org, the Reading Glasses page. There is a page for every single episode with all of the books we talk about and a link to the newsletter to sign up right in there. And so before we talk about setting in books, we're
1: going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is supported in part by The Great Courses. As avid readers, our joy of learning never stops. They let us uh, take the course The Art of Reading. And let me tell you, even as literature buffs, We learned so much. We loved it a lot. Award-winning professor Timothy Spergen shows us how to appreciate fiction on a whole new level and offers great tips and tricks for picking up the small details that make these works truly spectacular. The Great Courses offers over 600 in-depth courses as well as a streaming service. And it's all presented by bright, engaging experts. For a limited time, our listeners can purchase a digital copy of The Art of Reading from The Great Courses for just $29.95. That is a huge savings of $185. That's so much money. But this incredible offer is only available through our special URL. It's very special. It's thegreatcourses.com glasses. So don't wait. Go to thegreatcourses.com slash glasses.
2: We are the host of My Brother, My Brother, and Me, and now, nearly 10 years into our podcast, the secret can be revealed. All the clues are in place, and the world's greatest treasure hunt can now begin.
0: Embedded in each episode of My Brother, My Brother, and Me is a micro-clue that will lead you to 14 precious gemstones all around this big, beautiful, blue world of ours.
2: So start coming through the episodes, uh, let's say starting at episode 101 on.
0: Yeah, the early episodes are pretty problematic, so there's no clues in those episodes
2: no no not at all the better ones the good ones clues ahoy listen to every episode repeatedly in sequence laugh if you must but mainly get all the great clues my brother my brother me it's an advice show kind of but a treasure hunt mainly anywhere you find podcasts or treasure maps my brother my brother and me the hunt is on
0: This week, it's all about a sense of place. Sometimes a book setting is really important to the plot. Sometimes a certain place is just in your wheelhouse and you really want to be there in your head. We're going to talk about our favorites and how they relate to our reading lives. Bria, I know you love space. I do love space. Is that your favorite book setting?
1: I go there I like, No, there's a lot of them. I mean, space is a big setting that I will, I am drawn to. If a book has space, like on the cover, oh, if there's an empty star or an empty planet, Just give me that empty planet or a spaceship. I want to read that book. The other things I really like are anything post-apocalyptic, which encompasses a lot. It can be a city that's yeah. post-apocalyptic. It could be a ruined planet that's post-apocalyptic. It can be any anything that's that world. Or I really like a desert. I love a desert. Honestly, I like anywhere that's empty of people, <laughs> <laughs> which probably says more about me than the books that I read. I'm not sure—is this my therapy session? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I just—you tell when Bria's stressed out because she's reading books where there are no people, around. no people at all. Well, I—I I hate this. Is I mean, I actually love the idea of people, but I do. The older I get, the more I'm like, oh, but I don't love people specifically. They're so loud. I'm loud? No, they oh, people they're are loud. loud. Oh, um, that's not what bothers me. I just, like, I just really value my alone time. And so it, I think that I like to imagine, what if I was on this planet with just maybe a couple of people or by myself? <laughs> that would not be the You're worst. You're like the little prince who just want to be floating through space. Sort of. Yeah, so I think I really am drawn to books like that. I like books where the the um, sense of place is a character. Yeah. Because of the type of books I read, I think, um... The books are really really spectacular. They're otherworldly. So it's usually like a people are in this space or this thing is happening. So I think that the, the description of the space itself ends up being a big seller for me on, yeah. on books. What about you? Well, you know about my weird
0: obsession with Florida books? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Honestly, I re—I think it's more – I mean it's a little bit Florida, but it's really books set in swamps. I'm oh. so fascinated by swamps, but I'm so afraid of snakes that I never want to go to one I just think it's so, it's such a weird, like primordial place. And the people who live around swamps are like kind of on the fringe of society. But I don't like bugs and I don't like snakes. So I'm never going to go there. So I have to go there in my head. Um, And ever since I went to New Orleans last summer, I fell in love with it. And I bought a bunch of New Orleans set books, like any time period. You were so close to a swamp. I know you could have gone right, and I, I, I chose not to. We
1: had the the, the swamp option, and I said no. Friday yeah, you can get on one of those boats that like no. that like have a giant fan on the yep. back, and they're nope. like, "There's a there there's a gator right there, and there's not a gator, but you look like there it is looks one. Like it's just a log. Yeah, it's always just a log. Yeah, but no. Uh, so,
0: but yeah, the New Orleans I loved, uh, and I love horror books set in New England, and not just because I grew up there. I just think there's so much history in New England that isn't there in the rest of the country mm. that it's a great setting for a horror novel. Um, I love reading books set in L.A. because we live here and it's cool to be like, ah, I know where that is. Oh, yeah. I like especially
1: like a historical L.A. book.
0: Yeah. Where it's like,
1: oh, the old Sunset Gower Studios. I'm like, still there. Like that
0: stuff makes me really happy. Yeah, I think it's cool. And also books set in Ireland. So I think it's kind of I I like an interesting mix of like places that I would never go because I'm because either snakes or otherwise or places that I really want to go. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That makes sense.
0: Are there any places you haven't read a book about that you'd love to read more of?
1: Oh. I'm always traveling, so I always I like to find a book set where I'm traveling. Um bonus points for historical elements. I do like a historical book or a, an alternate history. Um that way it's like I'm learning, but also I'm in a new space. Um I like books when people are traveling. That's something I would like to read even more of. I enjoy a book where a person is going from place to place and they're on some sort of adventure, on a trek. Yeah. I enjoy that. I always a want nice trek. Yeah, especially if it's a place like I don't know that much about, but yeah. maybe I'm going to, or or I have been there, but I want to read more about it. Like that. That's interesting to me. I like when someone gets on a train. I don't get to ride trains very often. That's always exciting oh, I for love me. Love a train
0: book. Yeah, train
1: books are so fun because we don't do trains in the U.S. Really? No, because they're very expensive. In the U.S.? If you want to do, like, a nice train. Is there, like, a crap train? There's, like, one that's, yeah. like, well, like, I mean, f- like, like I- full of the boxcar kids or something? <laughs> <laughs> I loved the boxcar kids. I don't actually know what they, those are. That was just a reference that I've heard. I've, those are, there's like a, it was, like, a 60-book children's
0: series. But do what- they live on the train? the first they're called, this is a huge tangent so Fine. they're called the boxcar children because in the first book they're a bunch of like orphan kids and they live in an abandoned boxcar in the woods until some nice old rich man adopts them all oh. but they're still called
1: the boxcar kids and they solve mysteries oh so they aren't on like a train that's going somewhere no it's not it big... like snowpiercer for children <laughs> <laughs> I would watch the shit out of that uh, movie me too that's basically like lord of the, the flies it's m- m-
0: mixed snowpiercer called all Hollywood where we were on this shit. uh but they yeah they're in new so in New England at least I don't know there, there must be a train here but like you take the train all the time uh, but it's not like a nice like sleeper train it's just like a commuter right.
1: rail right right
0: right but there are nice sleeper trains but they're still like very expensive like you yeah. can go from um one side of the country to the other on like a nice sleeper train but it's
1: yeah I think I've uh, I've looked into it before and then never have chosen to do it more train um, books more train books and also like um I mean, I sort of switch depending on what I'm reading. If I'm like, oh, I just read three apocalyptic books. I don't need another one. Like, let's do an in the woods book or something. Um, but uh, specifically, I feel like I have not read as many books set in Africa or South America. Those are really interesting mm-hmm. to me. I, it's places I want to go and I haven't been. And so maybe I can experience it through. I, I definitely read a lot of books set in Africa already, but I would totally read even more. Uh, I
0: just read a book set in Africa called The Colombian by Melanie Finn, and that was really cool.
1: Oh, I'll check it out. Um but yeah, just places I haven't been, I think that's also really exciting. Uh, what what about you? Is there places you want to read more books set in?
0: Eastern Europe. Oh yeah. I really I've always wanted to do a tour of Eastern Europe because I'm a goth and like Yeah, sure. That's I just, I wanna go to Prague and Aust- and Vienna and Hungry and Budapest. Budapest, Wicked Bad. Um, and I love books that are set there, both like horror and non-horror. Yeah. Um,
1: I just read Melmoth by Sarah Perry and it was set in Prague and I was like, Fuck I need uh, to. I wanna read that. And I'm about to go to Eastern Europe, so I would like you to can borrow it. Yeah, I should. I should. I the
0: old Mallory O'Mara Library. Yeah. Um and I so I, I think I really love when a book is set in a place with a personality. Yeah. Like I definitely like a book where the setting It adds a lot of flavor. Yeah. The setting is a character. Yeah. I know. Like, I love an old city or any place that's, like, kind of weird or has some, like, quirks to it. I just, like, because I think that's what I like in real life, life, and I just love cities with a lot of personality, Mm -hmm. uh, and, like, old buildings, and... You? Old buildings? What? I love a cobblestone (laughs) street, and so when I read, like, I love... Even if the book isn't, like... um, it's sort of in the background, I just love, like when I read Tana French, I love, you know, because a lot of this stuff is set in Dublin. I'm like, oh, I'm going through this Dublin streets and it's all foggy and the cobblestones everywhere. And it's low. like, I just really, really like that. That will definitely make me. Pick up a book, for sure. A cobblestone street. Give me some cobblestone. Hey, I think my cobblestone streets are to your
1: abandoned highways. Maybe. Oh, yeah. Totally. (laughs) I don't mind a cobblestone street with everybody being grass growing up between the cobblestones because no one's been walking on it for years. (laughs) (laughs) And my cobblestones have to have fog and maybe some ghosts. (laughs) So now, here's
0: a question, Priya. What about made-up places? I know you love a good cold... Cold fantasy, a cold fantasy, an arctic fantasy. Yeah, I was trying to think when I was writing this episode, I couldn't think of the word for it. And this morning, I
1: woke up and I was like, "Arctic." That's the word <laughs> I'm looking for. So, what do you, what do you like in a made up place? Oh man, I, I do love, I love a wild made up place. I mean, I love a different planet. I love a city with its own rules, its own customs that we have to learn. Like, I love a, a world building situation. I was thinking about. Um, Infomocracy. By Malka Older. Um yeah, it it does an amazing job of this where it's um it's a future world in which every little area is divided into these micro democracies and each have their own rules and regulations. So if you walk into someone else's, you have to start following their rules. And that like made me it made me feel so crazy to think about. Because I was yeah. like, what if I accidentally walked into one and I was supposed to be, you know, well uh, you have to chew gum the whole time you're there. That's oh, no. not one, but like there were like weird rules and regulations. Um I just love that. I love that kind of like made up sense of world, but also is like not that different from ours. Um, I love, I love like people living on on the, on the outskirts of civilization as well. Like yeah. sort of like it's our civilization, but something's happened, and so it's different. Which is kind of an yeah. apocalypse. Um, Gathered the daughters came to mind because it's us, but the rules have changed, and they're different in this one way. It's like culty or whatever. Yeah. Like something has happened to make people behave differently. Yeah. Like, I like that kind of made-up place. Like, obviously, I like a place where there's, like, you know, this plant makes you hallucinate. I guess that already exists. Uh, This plant turns you into a kitten. You know, like, things like that. (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) Uh, Like, that's cool, but I think especially, like, places where it's, like, our world, but slightly different, that's interesting to me, too. Yeah. Um, what about you? Do you like a made-up place? I do like a made-up
0: place, but I don't like extremes, which is probably why I don't normally go for, like, space books or desert books or snowy fantasy books. It stresses me out, like reading Dune by Frank Herbert. It's all oh, in the yeah. desert, and I'm like, I don't want to drink my own pee. This is terrible. <laughs> Super stressful. So I like a nice spooky forest, fantasy town, set in a nice field. Oh, yeah. Comfortable. Uh-huh. But I also, I would totally do a tropical book. Uh, There's actually, Orbit has a book coming out. Uh, soon called the Queen of the Conqueror. That's Caribbean inspired fantasy. Oh, nice. uh Which and I'd read the shit out of that. I think I want to be comfortable in a book.
1: Um, it reminds me of this book. Uh, you and I both read. It's called Amaka. Yes. Yeah, I fucking love that book. Yeah, but that book, um, is sort of a it's it's an, a little bit of an uncomfortable place. Yes, definitely made me uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. It's everyone's. Really it's kind of like fills both of, checks both these boxes for yeah. us though because it's not that different. It is us. Yeah. It's people, it's humanity, but it's, like, everyone has to wear these really specific jumpsuits, and they've made a bunch of, like, sort of, like, somewhat communist rules, I would yeah. say, like, culty, like, that universe. And of the terrain rules. is very weird. And the terrain is, like, real cold. I just remember yeah. being very cold, and then they hand you, like, an old soap or something, yeah. you're like, ugh. <laughs> like,
0: it sounds horrible. <laughs> it's like, the, it's like the, that scene in The Matrix where they get out of The Matrix, and everyone's, like, everything's gray, and everyone's eating bad oatmeal, and, like, that's oh, the yeah. real world. yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no thanks. I want to be, I want this book set in like a comfortable place. No, I like an uncomfortable. Yeah, I want, no, I want a nice, the only time I will be uncomfortable if it's like, like a spooky forest. Oh, sure. Spending I, I feel the exact opposite forest. about my real life, though. Like, I know. That's what's interesting is I'll go camping. No, fuck camping. But
1: you'll <laughs> go You'll go read a book about people being in the desert drinking their own pee. I would never, like, I don't even want to go to places on, like, when people are like, oh, I'm going to go, like, I do want to go to Iceland, but I am like, I, I'm scared to go because I'm scared it's going to be too cold for me. You know what? <laughs> when I went, it wasn't as bad. Did you go in the, the winter? winter? Yeah, remember I went to Iceland two years ago in December. Oh, that's Kinda right. Like dummy. But, yeah, because there's like four hours of light or something. Yeah, but it was during the Icelandic book flood. Oh, that's right. I do want to go. I want to go. But, like, I'm scared of, uh, I don't like extreme. Actually, I can take the heat. You can but d- like... go during the summer. There'll be like 16 hours of daylight. No, that also sounds not that it sounds too extreme.
0: Too extreme. Get that out of here. So,
1: it's so interesting that we're opposite readers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, literally, it was. Um, it got down in the 50s in L.A. a couple of days ago. I and I was like, and my heater, the pilot light went out. And I was like, what do I do? Brie, we come back <laughs> and Bria's burning everything. And she's a fire. <laughs> I literally had on like a giant like parka. And I was like, I can't handle this. This is too cold. I didn't move to L.A. for this. Extreme weather conditions, global warming.
0: (laughs) So, you can send your thoughts on settings and books to Podcast at gmail.com. So, before we talk to author Deb Sparrow, we're going to take a quick break.
1: Reading Glasses is brought to you in part by Arm and Hammer Cloud Control Cat Litter. You know what? I love my cat. I really do. He is a big Persian, he is giant. He purrs and sleeps on my head at night. I really like this cat, but let me tell you what I don't love. Cleaning up after the cat. Which is why Arm & Hammer created new cloud control litter. No cloud nasties here. It's 100% dust free, free of heavy perfumes, and helps reduce airborne dander that is released when you scoop, you know? So what happens is that the litter actually stays in the litter box. New cloud control cat litter by Arm & Hammer. More power to you.
2: Well, Alexis, we got big news. Uh-oh. Season one, done. It's over. Season two, coming at you hot. Three years after. <laughs> three our and a half. Three one. One, technically, right. almost four years. All right. And now, listen, here at Can I Pet Your Dog, the yes. Smash It podcast, our seasons run for three and a half years. <laughs> and then in season two, we come at you with new, hot co-hosts. Named you. Hi, I'm Alexis. <laughs> i also have. Uh, field trip, Dog tech. Yeah. Dog news. Dog news. Celebrity guests. Oh, big shots. Will not let them talk about their resume. Nope. Only yeah, the dogs. Only the dogs. I mean, if ever you were going to get into, to canna pet your dog. Now's the time. Get in here. Every Tuesday. At MaximumFun.org.
0: So here we are with filmmaker and author, Deb Spera. Deb, thank you so much for
2: joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm honored. Deb, what are you reading right now? Well, I just finished um, A Gentleman in Moscow, uh, which I loved uh, by Amor Tolles. I guess that's how you say his name. I'm not sure. Um, but I it was very sort of almost fabulistic, uh, very Chekhovian or Chekhovian. Uh, I, I just thought it was really well crafted. I loved it. And I, I know it was a big, buzzy book. Yeah. I was a little late to the party on that one, but I enjoyed it very much.
0: And can you tell us about your new book, Call Your Daughter's Home?
2: Uh, yeah. Um, my new book, uh, or my first book, my very first book, takes place in 1924, rural South Carolina, a little place called Branchville, South Carolina. And it tells, uh, you know, at that time in the South, um, the boll weevil infestation really decimated the cotton industry and that plummeted the South into a very deep depression before the great depression that, that decimated the rest of the country. So the South was really hit by a one, two punch and a lot of people starved to death. So this is a story about three disparate women who ultimately have to um, come together to, to fight a greater evil, to overcome a greater, a greater difficulty. And all three, women um, have their own difficulties. So it's told in weaving first-person narrative um, from all three different women's perspectives. So uh, it's I call it a Southern Gothic adventure.
0: Oh, and it's so good. That's a great way. It's a perfect description. And along with these incredible characters, this book has a really strong sense of place. And so what drew you to yeah. setting it in South Carolina specifically?
2: My grandmother grew up in Branchville, South Carolina. So I spent a lot of my childhood you know, going in the summer times to Branchville. And um, we, I stayed with my great grandmother, Mama Lane, who had no indoor plumbing, who had a pump by the back door. So if you had to go to the bathroom, you used the outhouse, you know, there was a pump by the back door. Uh, I remember her, you know, wringing a chicken's neck and frying it for dinner. Uh, We, she had four pecan trees in her backyard. So I helped her shell pecans and we would take back home bags to freeze for the winter. So I grew up you know, with this really interesting, um, uh, opportunity to see that component, that part of how, how my grandmother grew up. And, you know, she used to give me baths my grandmother used to give me baths at night in Kentucky and t- talk to me. That's when she would talk to me about what she used to call desperate times. She lost her teeth when she was a young woman for malnutrition. Um, so I, you know, I set the story there because that place and that time has haunted me from for years. And it wasn't until I was a mother myself that all those stories that she told me really hit home. So I wanted to capture that as best I could.
0: And so you're from Kentucky. Do you love reading books that are set in the South?
2: I you know, I love reading books, period. Uh, it's an added bonus if I happen upon a really great Kentucky writer, and I've stumbled upon many great Kentucky writers or, or Southern writers. Um, there are many of whom I love, I, but I don't limit myself to just Southern writers. I, Because I'm a filmmaker also, I, I read a wide variety of, of literature and, non, and fiction, nonfiction, and
0: do you have any favorite books or favorite authors? Yes, I do.
2: Um, uh, <laughs> I would say my probably one of my favorite all-time authors is Wendell Berry, and he's a Kentucky writer who's a, also a farmer in Kentucky, and uh, I would read anything he's written. I, it, he has such a strong sense of place, and probably because I was raised there, it almost feels like going home when I read his books. He has a strong connection to the land. He has a strong connection to his spirituality. He he examines church in a way that I've never heard examined in a way that I've never heard before. Um, I really love uh, Wallace Stegner, who happened to be his teacher, and I can see the influence there. I I am a big fan of uh, the short stories by of Breece D J Pancake, who was a West Virginia writer who sadly killed himself when he was like twenty seven years old and his short stories really capture the Appalachian life um, in West Virginia. Uh, and, you know, I love, there's so many. I love Then of the newer writers. I I'm a big fan of Jasmine Ward's. Um, I love all of her work. Tommy Orange is there. There I thought was brilliantly crafted. I'm a, I loved Tiari e. Jones, American marriage and anything by George Saunders. I thought Chris, I thought Chris off new book, country, dark and Silas house new book. Southern most was really terrific, captured Kentucky beautifully. Um, I, I, there's so many authors, Tony Morris, <laughs> Marquez. I mean, Rebecca Mackay. There's just, I have so many authors that I admire and respect.
0: So are there any other places that you love to read about or you would love to write about?
2: You know, I, yes. I mean, I would like to write about the West. I think Southern California, where I have lived for the past 31 years, uh, I'd like to attempt to write, to capture this place. I think Southern California is a, is a sprawling neighborhood filled with so many cultures in in, in its own piece of magic. You know, I'd like to try and write about that. I'm a big fan of Elena Ferrante's ne- Neapolitan novels. Uh, I thought she was able to really capture a, the a Naples and this through these through these two women's friendship, a lifetime friendship, but really a place too, you know? So I'd I like, I'd like to write about sort of new territory, uncharted waters, you know, sort of a pioneering spirit, if you will, even if it's contemporary.
0: So tell us about your reading life. Do you have any reading quirks that you want to share
2: with us? Uh, well, I have a pretty vast reading life because I'm always reading something, whether it's magazine articles or, or scripts or books. Um, I'd say my one reading quirk, which is probably the thing that I dislike about my reading life is that I always have my mind's eye on, would this make a good television show or movie? Um, Because, and I say that's something sometimes I dislike because I like to get swept away in a book and I like to not be thinking about that. But I've been reading for so long and I've been at this craft for so long. I can't help but think in those terms when I'm reading something. So sometimes that gets in the way of the reading because I I am thinking, you know, can I, can would this make a good television show? If it would make a good television show, where would I sell it? How would I package it? I prefer not to read that way, but it does creep in sometimes. So that's my one quirk.
0: And do you have a reader wheelhouse? Are there any like subjects or tropes that will always get you to pick up a book?
2: Hmm. I tend toward literary fiction. Um, So I, I think a region if, if, if a, if an author that I love is writing about the Appalachian Appalachian region, then I, I would definitely pick up a book and read about that because I'm mesmerized by that culture and by that region, by the beauty of it. And by how rich in culture it is from everything from music and food and the land. Um, so I would definitely pick up something that is written about that region. Uh, but other than that, you know, I, I've picked books up off the bookshelf self bookshelves uh, because I'm just interested in the material. Like I picked up a book a few years ago called bucolic plague about who um, gay guys who, all, they're married now who decide to uh, move out of New York city and try and give a, a farm a go that they bought. Uh, and I found the book really well written and um, I love those guys. I ended up optioning that book and, and, you know, trying to sell it. It was a, so I just, I liked the notion of these two guys going out and trying to make a go on the land. You know, I, so maybe that's something I gravitate towards the, the land um, farming, a community, a rural communities. Um, I do love to explore rural life, uh, even though I live in a big city. So I guess I do gravitate toward that. I haven't really considered that before, but there you go.
0: And so Deb, where can we find you online and where can we buy Call Your Daughter's Home?
2: Um, you can buy the book, uh, um, at your local bookstore, starting on June 11th. Uh, you can buy it online. Um, you can um, you can re- you can find me at Twitter on at Deb Sperra D E B S is in Sam P is in Paul E R A. Also Instagram, same thing at Deb um, and then my website is debsperra.com.
0: Awesome. So Deb, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you, Mallory.
0: Now it's time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Rhonda writes in. I'm a new middle and high school cyber school English teacher. I think cyber school English teacher is probably the coolest thing I've ever heard of in my life. It sounds futuristic. I imagine Rhonda in like a Tron suit. Yeah. And she's shooting books out of a gun at children who catch them with their mind. (laughs) It's going to be great. Uh, So since I started listening to your podcast last summer, I've been inspired to start a reading club for my school. or I've been inspired to start a reading club at my school for 8th to 12th graders. Our first meeting is next week. I apologize in advance, Rhonda. This email is old. Yeah took us a while to get to this one. Um, sorry, Rhonda. Um, I've never led a book club or reading club before, so I'm a little nervous. There will be a mixed group of readers and non-readers, everyone there by choice. While for some students, the joy is in the reading itself, I'll have to do some strategic encouraging for others. I want to allow students to discover and read whichever genres interest them, but I also want them to be able to connect with each other as a group. We've already registered to be part of a citywide author series authored by the Free Library of Philadelphia, where once or twice we read selected books on our own, then meet and discuss with the authors. I wondered if you had any other other ideas for our meetings that might help increase enthusiasm for pleasure reading outside of the classroom and to keep students wanting to come back thanks for any help love 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 the show y'all are my best friends in my head <laughs> <For> ya, <laughs> what should ronda do
1: uh, first of all this is very cool extremely
0: cool uh,
1: i looked up the free library of philadelphia and that seems like a super rad place Seriously? like everything they're doing they have so many programs like good for you philadelphia uh, my first suggestion and you know this, because you already said it, is to make sure they're being heard. I think making sure they can be a part of picking out the books, and and that's going to be the most encouraging thing, I yes. think. It's super hard, because I think about when I was a teen, and I probably never would have told people what I was reading, even if I was in a book club, they'd be like, what are you reading? And I probably wouldn't have told people, because I would have been embarrassed. Oh, um, see, I was <laughs> the
0: opposite. I, all, you could, all I wanted to do was talk to people about why I was
1: reading, and that's why I was a nerd. <laughs> um, I mean, I was just uh, not... A joiner, or I don't know. Um, I just was—I just would have been weird because I would have been reading like weird Kurt Vonnegut and stuff that people my age were not reading. L- later, it turns out was like hipster chic, but like at the time, I like was the only person reading it. And also, I worked at a library, so like I was reading all sorts of weird books that would come in. So anyway, it was just like I—I—I I, I don't know how to get teenagers to talk, and honestly, I'm scared of teenagers. So like I You're don't know—I <laughs> don't know how to stay enthusiastic, get them to be enthusiastic. But I think if you're enthusiastic, that's all that really matters. And I think doing those things that expose them to new things where they get to meet the author, like, because that's such an interesting thing to do or take them to a book event. Um, Like, there's going to be other book events in the town and like kind of organize around those kinds of things. I think is really cool because it gets people out of their comfort zone. But also, like, they learn more about books. They learn more about writing. Maybe they end up wanting to be writers. Like, that kind of stuff is really interesting. Also, this is such a dumb thing, but I remember as a teenager, I would go to school. What time do you get to school? Eight in the morning. Right? Oh, I, yeah. I got there at, like,
0: seven-something.
1: Yeah. Well, like, school starts at eight, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, so you get there at, like, eight. Yeah. And then I would go to work after school till eight. So I worked till 8 p.m. till library closed. So I would, I was gone, like, all day. And I remember just being... Exhausted. Like, I'm exhausted at this part of my life, but actually I think I was way more tired then. Also, teenagers are just tired. Yeah, teenagers need a lot of sleep. You're growing a—you're growing. Also, I would talk on the phone to my boyfriend till very late at night, and I was not sleeping very much. So I don't know. This is such a dumb thing, but I think keeping it short—the one thing I really like about my book club is that they keep it really short. I never get bored because it's like after about an hour, they're like, cool, we're done. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's always so short. I never— I always feel like I'm like, do I have more to say? I don't, but I don't want to sit here and keep talking. Yeah. So I think keeping it to like a teenagers, these are people who watch, you know, YouTube videos all day. So thinking, yeah. keeping it to like that YouTube video time, what is the word I'm looking for? Attention span? Yes. That's a good, I think that's a good thing to do. What about you?
0: Yeah. Alan? So I think, like, that's all great. And inclu- along with that, I think, uh, fostering like a safe, inclusive atmosphere for teens to really be themselves where they like, A, can feel comfortable disagreeing. I think you really hit the nail on the head where you said that this can't feel like another class. Like it needs to have a place where they feel like they have some agency. They can disagree. They can be in charge. They can help choose the book. They can not like the book. They can disagree with other people. And they're, you know, able to have those discussions without it being so controlling. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, besides, so besides that, I think, Cool. Choose some cool books, Rhonda. Rhonda, if you listen to Reading Glasses, you obviously have a great taste <laughs> in books. So I think you got to make sure that to pick books that are diverse and fun. Like teens are teens are doing okay, and most teens mm-hmm. like really care about this stuff, and they're really interested in inclusivity and new voices and seeing themselves in books. And so picking a book that ha- like. Is very inclusive and fun, but also has a lot to talk about. Like books like Angie Thomas's The Hate You Give mm-hmm. that are modern and relevant and like have a lot to talk about, but are also really fun and great quick reads. And I, my big tip is don't forget graphic novels. Mm. There are so many great YA graphic novels that would be perfect for attracting someone that doesn't normally read and are short and like. A teen can read them in a couple of hours, you know, and not feel like, oh my God, I have to do this thing. So a teen that might normally read, a, might not normally read a lot, but like, oh, well, I could read this graphic novel in like an hour or two, uh, but something that has a lot of meat to it that like actually, like there's a lot of great comics work out there that is like, it's not just like, oh, a bunch of people shooting each other in space, which is also cool, but like, you know, serious subjects that kids want to talk about. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't forget that. And so, yeah, I think- the book choice is, is going to be key.
1: Yeah, I also wonder if there's, like, um, books by younger authors, too. Like, that's the kind yes. of thing that would have appealed to me as well, where it's just like, oh, this person is like me because they're young and they've already written a book, or they're, like, you know, especially if you're joining a book club, obviously you are bookish and you have some sort of, like, bookish aspirations, whether or not that's writing or whatever. I remember when I was a teenager, I, I was like, oh, I want to do the thing where you write – I didn't understand that you could write book reviews, so I only knew of those – Giant books they had in the library. Do you remember these? They had these giant books in the library where it was just a synopsis of other books. And they were huge. I someone's going to know what I'm talking about. And I was like, oh, I just want to write those, those entries. It was like an encyclopedia for books. What? It wasn't Cliff Notes. I think it was like every book, which is not possible. That's the way I thought of it. when It was like books that came out this year or something, and it was just a synopsis. And I was like, oh, I'd like that job where I just tell the people what the books are about. Which I guess I have that job now, which is weird. You grew up to be that book brigand. Yeah, I guess I grew up, and now that book doesn't exist, and I took that book's place. Um, I'm anyway. Maybe that's why it doesn't exist because you (laughs) became that book sprouted arms, sprouted legs. Anyway, but I I think like that. But I (laughs) this is so off topic. But uh, I think (laughs) having something that they're into, like they want to grow up and do book stuff. I think having authors that are close to their age, or you want to grow up and like be an astronaut, do that kind. Read something about that. Like having something that just like um is that so they can see themselves in it. Yeah. I well
0: actually so I just read that book. I talked about it on the show Wicked Saints by Emily Duncan. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm sort of outing myself here, but she's my age and I'm pretty young. Mm-hmm. Uh people forget that because I'm in my heart a crone. But I'm only I'm only 28 and um so like I when I I'm on tour, I talk to a lot of teens, and I see them like they are excited. They are either want to be writers, or they're big readers, or they want to get into film. So showing them a book like Wicked Saints to be like, hey, look, you know, this is the author. Like she's cool, like you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So if you want us to solve your reader problem or answer your bookish question, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy who are on our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, you can buy Reading Glasses tote bags and shirts and bookmarks in the Maximum Fun Store. There's a link in the show notes. And if you like the show and you want to help us out for free, you can rate and review us on iTunes. We are on the fast track to 700. Wow, Very exciting. We blew past 666, which I was, I didn't get to screenshot it. I was very upset. Uh, It's fine. No, please give us more reviews. uh it helps it's great for us it helps us reach more listeners it helps us get good guests it makes us feel good about ourselves when we're not feeling good about ourselves uh and as creative sometimes that happens uh you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com find us on twitter at reading podcast on instagram at reading glasses podcast and you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag reading glasses podcast thanks for listening and, and thanks, thanks for reading, reading.